Welcome to the Digital Workflow Dentistry Podcast Series. We help dentists adapt, adopt, and advance in the world of dental technology. For more information about upcoming lectures, webinars, and podcasts, please go to our website, www.digitalworkflowdentist.com, at Instagram, at Digital Workflow Dentistry. Good afternoon, dental internet world. My name is Dr. Vishal Sharma. I'm once again here alongside my friend and colleague, Dr. Mike Parchewski. Now we're going to pick up part two of our interview with Dr. Nicole Robbins. To see the first part, tune back in to podcast 34. I know that you're really passionate about a multidisciplinary comprehensive case that we were discussing before off camera, um, and you had some really interesting components to work with on that. Uh, and maybe some lessons that dentists can learn or take from that case. So, Nicole, can you walk us through that case in particular and uh, even start from the beginning on some of the social components on that case and why it was so interesting for you? Yeah, for sure. One thing that I would love for dentists to know and that I've really tried to drive home is communication. Just literally take the time to let your patients tell you what they want and your treatment plans are going to explode. Second, you cannot always get what they want immediately. And so that's when education with the patient comes into play. This case, the patient came in and he wanted a smile transformation and his occlusion was absolutely not suitable for what he wanted. And I said, okay, we can get you this. Absolutely. But here's how, and here's why. And he went from uh, having losing teeth over the years from cracked teeth and um, failed teeth from caries and not really putting any effort into restoring anything. He didn't understand why it was important to have that posterior vertical dimension. Um, it, and a lot of it was just he didn't understand and nobody had ever taken the time to educate him on his options or why it was important to be proactive and so after the exam, I kind of walked through, you know, yeah, I know you can't see your back teeth when you smile. I know you don't care that other people can't see them, but listen, this is what's happening without your back teeth. Um, and if I put all of these anterior restorations in the way they are right now, you'll be happy for about six months and then they're all going to break and you're going to be mad at me and um, et cetera. So just outline, you know, what they want and why it wouldn't work in that way and then walk them through, okay, look, here's what we can do to get you what you want. You need orthodontics. You need that posterior support. So, you know, he wanted he wanted it bad enough that he was willing to, after I educated him on why all the other stuff was important, he was not just willing, he was more than happy to go through a full year and a half of Invisalign um, implants, and he's now cut that red ribbon, and we're on to doing his anterior top and bottom veneers. So that was pretty profound to see a mid 50 year old man go his whole life, just, you know, going in and out of the office, not really having anything done and then finally being educated on what his options are. And then bam, all of a sudden, you know, and I asked him, I'm like, why all of a sudden? He's like, well, I just didn't know it was an option. And, and where did this patient come to you from, Nicole? Was it already a, a patient in the patient uh, base or was it? Was this individual referred to you? Um, it was a patient who had been at a neighboring clinic for for years, and uh, word of mouth they had come. Yeah, that's cool. 
Um, you know, isn't it interesting how, you know, back in the day, everything was about, um, you know, taking away two structure and, and veneering and, uh, Invisalign and more comprehensive dentistry has, has allowed us. And, you know, you know, now today, like, you know, Vish and I are big sure smile users, but aligner therapy in general have really given us that ability to do a lot of pre-prosthetic work, right? Um, less is more in dentistry, I always say, and no news is good news at my recalls. And it's it's that idea that if we can put things in better position first before we do the cosmetic, uh, we have much more profound result. Now, um, I've got a couple questions for you, but the first question I wanted to ask is financially. Mm-hmm. Um, these patients that are coming to you, obviously these these um, these cases are are not inexpensive. What is the workaround, or how are you helping them to? Uh, to be able to afford that? Is there any strategies on case acceptance and the costs? Absolutely. So that's actually one of the reasons I did get into composite veneers as well is because not everyone can afford 20K porcelain smile. Um, so they'll do the the composite first. Um, however, I honestly, I never look at if people have insurance. I, I purposely don't look because I don't want it to influence my treatment plan. Um, I... I really try to put costs out of things and just educate the patient. And it's been pretty surprising to see people's priorities switch from, uh, you know, it's, it's just really all about priorities and a lot of people can afford it at the end of the day if they choose to, if they decide it's important enough. So it's all kind of circling back to communication again. Um, kind of funny backstory. I cried in dental school in a lecture because the instructor was talking about how, you know, not everyone can afford dentistry. And I knew that, but it just, <laughs> I want to be able to help everyone. And the instructor comes up to me after, you know, I'm like secretly crying in the back. And he's like, you know, I've seen people turn down my treatment plan and then go and buy a TV you can't feel bad for everyone because it's all about priorities. Now, that is a large amount of patients, but there is some people that genuinely want it and they genuinely can't afford it. Maybe something happened in their life, etc. And this is why, again, I get to know the patient because I get to know, okay, they actually want it, but they can't afford it. I know they're super motivated. What can we do for them? So in those rare circumstances, we will do a three-month payment plan for them. And if it's if it's uh, Invisalign, we we can break it down all the way into a 12 month payment plan. And that makes it very reasonable for most people. And then if the aesthetic component, we can mix it in with that. So they got a whole year to pay it off. Um, Now, if they're not doing Invisalign and they're just doing anterior restorations, three months is the most that we'll do. Um, That's pretty fair for the front office. Um, because now that becomes work for that's more work for your whole team right so you have to be careful about what you're offering and make it fair and reasonable to the patient and also reasonable for the staff as well it's interesting that you mentioned that lecture where you clearly developed some empathy mike slept through that lecture in dental school (laughs) and now that explains a lot more about him than it ever could have before this podcast he's just giving it to you today huh well the crying actually the crying in the lecture happened for me as well but it was actually when i accidentally went into bisha's lecture i showed up early in toronto and i was at his lecture and yeah there was tears tears were flowing tears of happiness obviously (laughs) uh yeah. So tell me one more thing too. Like we know that, 
in our world, digital and photography is so important. Um, not only is it important for planning your case, but it's also important for um, case acceptance. Totally. For you, what is the one piece of technology that you find is educating your patients the best, whether it's to accept or whether it's to help you get where you need to be? What's What do you find? What's the one piece that's big for you? The camera is huge. Um, my macro lens shows detail and it shows people a smile. It shows them the way we see teeth. They don't look at their teeth in the mirror and see it the way we do. But when I show it to them close up where it's literally just their teeth, they're usually horrified and that is all that needs to be done and they want to do something about it ASAP. So the camera is huge in case acceptance um, and I'm not going to lie, it it was, uh, I found it challenging to learn dental photography, um, just being really busy in my practice. It was hard to set time aside, you know, I'm getting home in the evenings and then you got to spend all night, you know, learning photography and there's a couple different ways you can approach it. Uh, you can memorize the three settings that you need, get your flash ring and point and shoot and go. And honestly, you'll get pretty dang good pictures. You'll get what the lab needs to have good communication with them and, um, good before and afters, but, um, learning the photography to get a little bit more artistic with it, um, to showcase different teeth in different ways that that's pretty challenging. So I'm, I'm still working on that for sure. And I'd like to get into portraits and stuff as well. well uh, Dr. Chi, Gordon Chi, yeah. he, he's uh, somebody that I know teaches a lot of of the photography part. And I think from my perspective, when he went into that clinic, I think that was the, um, to me, the the birthplace of that of his cosmetic world was his photography, which is, I feel like, second to none. Um, and it's huge, right? Yeah. It's a before and the afters, but it's that communication piece, right? Yeah. And yeah. So Go ahead, sorry, oh, sorry. Nicole. No, I was just going to say um, big shout out to Dr. Chi as my mentor since dental school because he has influenced me largely in obtaining the camera and doing, um, you know, getting all of that going. So seeing him incorporate into his practice because um, I'm the only dentist at my practice who does a lot of this and I'm the only one who has a camera. And it's actually been pretty challenging incorporating my method into the practice and so that's another one little tidbit for young dentists is don't think that how you practiced is based on the practice you're a part of you can make it how you want it you're autonomous you have your own patients and you can practice it the way you feel it's best suited so you know my family is uh sorry my practice is very like family comprehensive like go 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 it's it's we're busy and it, it was hard incorporating photography in there. Like, how am I going to squeeze an extra 10 minutes to get those before and afters? And I just, I really wanted it. So I made it work. And I, you have to have the team on board as well, you know, training the RDAs, how to take the photos with me and um, getting them quick at scans and such. Yeah, those are certainly strong words of uh, encouragement, encouragement with building that practice with their practice. And I, I think uh, that goes for a lot of people for Gord. He's been a mentor and a, a great advocate for comprehensive dentistry for a, a lot of people. And he was one of our first podcast guests as well. Yep. Um, so, Nicole, discuss how that uh, photography aspect, that attention to detail, how you pivoted that to social media and how has that helped you drive patients to your patient, uh, to your practice base? Yeah, absolutely. So 
I first started the Instagram purely just for my growth. I didn't care if anyone saw my page at all. I didn't care to grow it. I literally just wanted to be proud enough of a case to put it out on the in, into the internet world. And it's very motivating. Chair side, you know, if you're having a bad day and you're like, oh, I'll just like I'll finish this up. No, got to post this. Like it's got to be perfect. And I hope that dentists are that motivated, regardless of posting it on Instagram or not. Um, but it is just that extra little oomph, um, for people. It's, you know, it's accountability. Um, so for me, I started the Instagram for myself and then I've been posting more. And now that I'm joining Dr. Chi's practice, it is going to become very important in obtaining my patients. That's a large draw for him. That's how he gets a lot of his patients. And so I need to, you know, get up to, to par with that and and start drawing in my own patients through Instagram. Um, but yeah, the photography is is huge for that. And I'm developing right now. Um, my my boyfriend and I were he's creating his own little Instagram page for um his financial wealth business and and I'm ramping up mine for for dentistry and we're huge nerds and every night we <laughs> collaborate and um, I would say don't be eager and quick to just like throw cases up there, you know, have a method to your madness and create a brand for yourself. And I've done a ton of cases, but I'm still figuring out my page and I want everything that I post to be cohesive. So I'm kind of withholding a few things at the moment because when I unleash it, I want it to people to see the photo and say, oh, that's Nicole's work. I want them to be able to, to recognize it. So to be determined a little bit on my page, but could, could that, you go ahead? That, I was going to say that's cute going on Instagram dates with your boyfriend. Very different than the Instagram dates Mike tries to go on. So. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I was going to say you could do uh, incorporate the dance. And so you could come out <laughs> dancing, show the images and it, you'd just, Put one hand up and there would be the before. and Right. I know. I've, I've toyed with the dance yeah. thing because it's a huge part of my life. Um, but I struggle with that, actually. Like one day I'm like, oh, it would be so great because it, I don't know many dentists that dance. But then on the other hand, I'm like, oh, I feel like it takes away from the dentistry. And I it's not about me or dancing. It's about the patients and it's about the teeth and the experience. So I haven't quite figured that one out yet. It's a terrible idea. I tried it and it drove my patient base basically away. <laughs> so altogether. I think that we need so. some one on one dance training. I, I, I got it. you. I did it and then the pandemic started. So I don't know if there's a correlation <laughs> between that, but yeah. The COVID, the COVID uh, two step. Yeah. So um, yeah, and it, as far as the dancing goes, is that something you're still active in? Yeah, definitely not as much as when I was younger, but um, I really try to keep it in my life. It's been a part of my life my whole, that's, we're just rambling here now. It's been a part of my whole life. Um, a lot of my best friends are still teaching dance. They're directors in um, performing arts companies. And so that's been helpful to keep me within that community. And I can, you know, hit some of my friends up and be like, let's go do this. I need a studio space or let's go to class. And so having that community is, is helpful, but I turned one of my bedrooms in my house into a dance studio. <laughs> so, so that's there. Um, but yeah, it's, um, 
it's nice to stay limber and uh, counteract all of the dentistry that we do. So, you know, I go and dance a little bit and I'm like, ooh, that's that's a muscle that we don't use in dentistry or that I strain too much. So Yeah, and I'll, and I'll say that um, coming from a more seasoned dentist perspective, um, that we do, you know, dentistry takes a lot, right? And you had mentioned it earlier that trying to do everything in dentistry, it taxes you, yeah. right? And then trying to do all the CE, all this stuff, you end up getting so focused on it that you don't get to the gym, you don't get out for exercise. And so I've learned, you know, I've got into trail running, I was doing triathlons, I did a, an Ironman right before COVID. And for me, it was getting out and doing something completely non-dental that I needed to do to just resync my mind or I was going to go uh, dentistry insane. Mm -hmm. um, how about you, Vish? Golf? Yeah, well, chasing golf, the dog. I think golf is what causes some insanity for me. But no, uh, Nicole, it's obviously admirable. One, the biomechanical benefits, but I'm sure it's also inspirational for you. Like yeah. dealing with your friends who are in choreography, there's a tie-in with that aesthetic aspect that you said has been appealing. So I'm I'm sure the dance component would probably feed that as well. Absolutely, yeah. It's just another creative outlet and. Um, keeping that, it's a whole other part of your brain, um, doing choreography and dance. And, uh, when I would take a little break from dances and start making up my choreography again, or trying to learn choreography, I'm like, Ooh, get those gears going again. Like that part of the brain really needs to be tweaked. So, um, yeah, it, it does keeping that up does inspire me to kind of look at things differently than maybe just, you know, a bookworm would. So we're all a little bit of bookworms, but it does kind of help me see things from a different perspective, I think, and um, a different side hobby that I've really ever, a lot of my friends will know this for me, but I almost started a charcuterie board company a couple of years ago because I am obsessed with just making things presentable. And so I would make these massive charcuterie boards and I still do. I'll have charcuterie boards for dinner often. And Very morbid for someone who does a lot of gingivectomies to have yeah. a charcuterie <laughs> Yeah. Is there an electro surge so, on yes. that or... Um, so pivoting from left side to the right side of the brain, you discussed, you know, a bookworm component. What's on the horizon for you, Nicole, for education for the foreseeable future? Yes, uh, it's going to be a lot. So I um, am doing the COIS education, so the treatment planning and occlusion and getting yeah. that whole week done. Um, there's There's been a wait list, so that's where we're waiting to get in on that. And then um, I'm also doing... LVI occlusion because I'm taking over some of Dr. Chi's TMJ patients and they're neuromuscular um, based and he uses the T-scan. And uh, I also just like knowing as much as I can. So I think it's going to be valuable to learn both of those different occlusal schemes and methods and take what I would like to incorporate into my practice and what works best for my patients. And I don't think it's wise in any aspect of life to just take one idea and run without without challenging your challenging all the other sides. Um, if you can't answer to questions that come from the other side or you don't even know those questions exist, then what are you doing supporting the side you're on? You know, you need to understand all those perspectives. So. Yeah, that's that's why I want to do that. Mike and I both did the full LVI curriculum separately. And and although I don't practice nearly as much neuromuscular dentistry as I have in the past, those philosophies and, and those foundations it still serve me immensely to this day. Yeah. Mike, I'm sure you can attest to that as well. Yep. Yeah, I think if you understand the occlusion philosophies like of Kois and 
a lot of the other the other big mentors out there and neuromuscular you know the key things with all of them is understanding your patient more comprehensive testing your position before you do anything and um, sort of diligent on the restorative side. I, mm-hmm. and I, so I think whenever you're starting to look at the bite more comprehensively, whatever your philosophy is, I think you're you're going to set yourself into a better position for that those restorations to have a longer lifespan. Yeah. Yeah, you're only helping yourself. <laughs> Nicole, this has been such a fantastic interview. Your passion clearly shows through, and, and you've certainly been one of our most engaging guests. Mike, he has a follow-up question to ask what you're planning for the summer. I know you said you have no plans, so I'm not going to let him ask that question because I want to <laughs> finish this on a high note. Um, and so Mike and I, I think, are really interesting to when you take your passions and your education to the teaching platform. Uh, we'll be uh, certainly signing up for your course when that day happens. So something on the horizon. I know you've got a lot in your plate, but that would be a future goal, and I think you would be fantastic at it. Certainly drawing some tears from the audience members, yeah. I'm sure. <laughs> well, who knows? We can maybe fit you in here on the on the backdrop here. So <laughs> I think I think uh, yeah, super admirable. Again, thank you so much. Uh, thanks, Vish, and uh, thanks to everybody for tuning in. And for anybody that's um, wanting to subscribe and see what more we've got going on, easiest way to find us is at Digital Workflow Dentistry on our Instagram. All the links are there in our bio. Um, please like and subscribe, follow us for more, our YouTube channel, Digital Dentist. Thank you so much to Nicole again. Thanks to Vish and take care, everybody.